everyone. Welcome to my channel. My name is Lisa Alistway, and on this channel, you will find a variety of inspirational and informational videos. So if that sounds good to you and you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. My guest today is Nama Cates, who is a writer, producer, and creator of the Incel podcast. I will be linking her podcast and her Twitter handle down below in the description box for your reference. Welcome, Nama. Good to be here. Yes. Okay, so for the audience that don't even know what an incel is, can you please describe and define what an incel is? Sure. So the word incel is a, what's called a portmanteau. It's a word made up of parts of other words, and they are, in this case, involuntary celibate. So, uh, you know, it kind of speaks for itself. Um, an incel is someone who defines themselves by the fact that they cannot have romantic relationships or sexual relationships um, despite wanting them. Mm -hmm. They are generally, I mean, almost completely men, male. There's some question about whether women can be incels. Um, a lot of them don't really think so. Those call themselves femcells, it's a bit different. And they're usually quite young. The majority of them I'd say are, are very young. Um, they are, you know, they've, kind of formed a community for themselves online. It's only online. They don't really meet up in person or anything like that. Um, and they, you know, it's over the last five years, it's really been going on for 10 years. The actual word came about in the nineties, but it didn't really become what it is as we know it now until 10 years ago and really five years ago when it entered kind of the, the zeitgeist or a bit more than that. Um, it's also been, associated with violence and uh, domestic terrorism, rightly or not, because there have been a handful of attackers that, you know, um, either claimed themselves to be incel or were participating on incel forums or, or just talked in ways that, you know, people later on in the analysis uh, thought was, you know, inspired by incel ideas. So you know, that's part of the reason that it gets a lot of attention. Okay, very good. And so how prevalent is this incel community? Um, you know, we don't have great numbers on that, but I would say that in around the world, there's probably hundreds of thousands. That's it just, I guess, may, maybe even more people that, you know, this is something that isn't necessarily, there are different levels of kind of engagement or commitment with it. Um, if you just go by the categorical definition, which is someone who is involuntarily celibate, that number is probably huge. But these people, you know, just think anyone in high school at some point might be one, right? Mm -hmm. um, but people that know of the term and define themselves that way, I would guess it's, it's hundreds of thousands, mostly in the United States, Canada, Western Europe. Um, and I guess that number by the sizes of the communities that have been banned. There were some Reddit communities that showed to have 50,000 or so, and those numbers were probably actually higher because they were quarantined. And then the incel forums today, you know, have had 50,000 registrants at some point. So, you know, it's probably a pretty high number like okay. that. <laughs> so if there was no internet, there'd be no incel community. Is that correct? Yeah, there'd be no community. Okay. So they're defined by getting online and that's where they're meeting and they're talking. Um, what draws them to these communities? Well, 
I ask all the ones that I interview, you know, how they first found out about the term. Um, and a lot of them just by going online, by going to places like Reddit or Quora or um, Discord servers, you know, the g gaming uh, platforms, they might hear the term. Some of them hear it first in the news, you know, through some media piece about an attacker. Um, I think some people just go into Google and ask questions like, you know, why can't I get laid or, you know, am I unattractive? And this stuff comes up and they relate to it. Okay. And you mentioned that it really took off in the last 10 years. Did that coincide with social media? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. What is the uh, relevance of social media? How does it play into the incel community? I would say that I think social media is almost like entirely responsible for it. Um, in many ways, you know, social media creates this illusion that many people feel when they look at themselves and compare themselves to others. Without social media, we wouldn't have this constant sort of curated um, version of everyone else's lives to look at where it seems like everyone's having fun and, you know, going to parties and presenting themselves however they do. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of that. I think we're also in a sexualized culture and that tends to spread more quickly with social media. Again, the comparisons. And so the feeling of being left out and of being other and of being maybe a loser or something for young men, you know, for, for young women, it has ramifications too that are just as serious, but they manifest a bit differently. Um, but for young men, you know, it's the, the feeling of not sort of sexually living up to what they think that they should be. And I think that's behind a lot of it. And then with social media now too, there's also kind of, um, you know, shocking culture, like things that came from 4chan and then Reddit, where being what they would call an edgelord or a shit poster is a way for someone who's maybe frustrated or feeling like an outsider to express themselves. Um, the memes, you know, the sort of extremist language, all of that makes mm -hmm. this situation what it is. So you, you mentioned Fortran. What exactly is that for people who've never heard of that? So Fortran was started in 2005 by um, a 16-year-old kid. Uh, his name was Christopher or something. I don't remember at the moment. Um, and it was an image board. So it was based on these Japanese image boards where people would share uh, anime and, and content like that, these kind of cartoons. Um, what was unique about 4chan was that it was a social media sort of platform that you didn't have to register and nobody had an account name. So people would just post comments and content completely anonymously. Um, you know, you wouldn't see a username, you would just see these comments and they would go quickly and because of the nature of that, um, people's behavior changed a lot when they used 4chan and it got really edgy and it developed its own culture and its own humor that was very kind of counter-cultural and subversive. And it just, it really took off, you know, um, it's been connected to a lot of kind of crazy <laughs> movements and things. Um, and incel culture very much came about with 4chan. Is, is it still in operation or did it get deplatformed? 4chan still is, um, the original 4chan. I think it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more monitored now than it used to be. 
um, it became 8chan afterward. Um, and 8chan had a lot of scandals, you know, the, the hosts of 8chan um, got into some hot water for hosting it because there were just all kinds of, you know, unsavory content on there, everything you can think of. Um, there was another iteration called 8kun and that most notably had the um, live stream of the Christchurch shooter from uh, New Zealand. Um, and so that one got deplatformed, but and 8chan too, but 4chan is actually still up. Okay. And are there underground uh, forums that the incels can go on? Um, I guess when I say underground, like in a special place on the internet that it's really hard to get into? You mean like on the dark web? Yes. Not really. I mean, I'm sure there are, but um, people often think that incels talk on the, the dark web. In actuality, their main forums and their main websites are on the clear web. Um, and I think that's deliberate. Uh, for some reason, they, they want it to be accessible. I mean, I actually happen to know the administrators of the really popular, the, the main incel forum. And, you know, they're just people, but that, that's another story. Um, but yeah, I think for some reason, they kind of want things to be open. And mm -hmm. There are, you know, there are different apps now. You don't necessarily have to go on the dark web for things to be more protected because there are apps like messaging apps like Telegram and Signal and mm -hmm. you know Discord that are encrypted. So there is a bit of that, um, but mostly it's not. Mostly it's on the clear web. Okay. And so can you just touch on maybe like the profile of incels? I know they're on a spectrum. You can't group them all into one they're all like this, they're all violent because right. that's not true. Can you tell us a little bit, maybe like personality traits or characteristics that make up incels? Yeah, so, um, you know, you're right that they're not a monolith. Uh, one thing that kind of interested me a lot about their website, their community was that they did polls of the community, like really in-depth polls that would have between 500 and a thousand respondents, I mean, things that an academic study would, would dream of having that kind of sample size. And so they did a really great demographic breakdown um, and all kinds of things, you know, where people live and their ethnicities and their age and their education level. And it was all over the map, but, you know, largely, like I said, younger ethnicity, actually a lot of people assumed that it was, uh, you know, all young white men and it wasn't, it was 50-50, given the fact that most of them are in, North America or Europe, that's not, um, you know, that's actually uh, less represented than, you know, you might expect population wise. Um, and different levels of education, sort of different economic backgrounds, not really anything too um, consistent there. As far as personality traits, um, you know, I actually was involved in some research along with a forum that looked into mental health issues and upwards of 75% had depression, upwards of 80% had anxiety, um, something like 20% were diagnosed on the autism spectrum, which is staggering compared to the general population, which is like 1%. Mm -hmm. And then another 25% or so thought that they might be, but didn't have a diagnosis. So that's very high and that's significant. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of them have you know, issues with just socializing in general. A lot of them report bullying. 
Um, a lot of them don't have many friends in real life, feel kind of very disaffected. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of the interests are things like gaming and, you know, anime, and a lot of them are interested in, in history, kind of the, um, in that sense, there, there are many that fit into kind of a typical profile of what we would have called a nerd at one point. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so they go to these forums because maybe they feel isolated um, in their own life. Like you said, they don't have a lot of friends. So they might feel like they get some type of friendship out of these forums. Yeah, definitely. A lot of them say that, you know, the forums like a home for them. They spend a lot of time on it. Um, you know, that they have found friends and that they relate to people. And also, you know, and this is kind of a double-edged sword. They can talk about experiences that are very shameful, you know, and embarrassing that maybe they can't really talk about in real life with anyone, sort of frustrations and rejections and all of these things, um, feeling low about themselves. So I think on one hand, that's uh, helpful for, for a lot of them because they can talk about it without feeling judged. On the other hand, they tend to dwell on those things. So it can keep some people stuck so it kind of goes both ways. Okay, and so um, what type of conversations are they having in these forums? Um, there will be, I mean, they have tags, right, for the what they post. They have like their own little language, I guess. Yes, very much so. The, the language is, I think, the unifying factor. Um, and, you know, there are things that are, they'll call life fuel. Right, so those are encouraging things. You know, sometimes that might be somebody's uh, achievement in school or work or you know some something like that. Um, they have rope fuel, which is you know depressing. Rope roping is their you know innuendo for suicide. So and a lot of them also have um, suicidal ideation. Yes. In this group. Yes, yes, yes. A lot of them do. Um, I get messages from people that I keep up with and talk to sometimes, lots of times actually, about how suicidal they are. I'll get a photograph of somebody's armband from a psychiatric hospital. You know, it's very prevalent in that group. Um, and have had a lot of suicide scares and some that actually happened. Um, so let me stop you there. So when they're hashtagging rope fuel or like, do they get support from the other people or discouragement, encouragement, like what happens? What, how's the conversations going if somebody's like? Well, the thing is that um, there's kind of a disaffected, like post-ironic culture that they have where a lot of the times there's an Nothing element- matters. Yeah, though they're very fatalistic. Yeah, that's their ideology. The black pill is quite fatalistic and depressing. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of the time too, there's, a bit of humor, of kind of dark humor in it. So, you know, a lot of times they're just doing it to vent and people will make comments like, oh, brutal bro or whatever, and they'll kind of joke about it. And so that there, it's light, there's a, a lightness to it, you know, which is how some people deal with, with dark things. Right, right. Um, and it's it can be hard to tell sometimes how serious it is, but I think it's important to note too that they, they also communicate off of the forums, you know, in messaging apps and things like Discord. And there they have the more kind of substantive conversations, mm. I think. 
because it's, it's more one-on-one, -on -one, more intimate. Exactly. Yes. Um, what conversations are they having around women? Because my understanding, if you read like newspaper articles and so forth, they're very misogynistic and their whole complaint is against women. Yeah, so if you read the forums, it is extremely misogynistic. But what I've come to learn, and some people might think of this as, as making excuses or something, um, and it's not that I'm saying that there's nothing wrong with the way they, they talk on the forums, but just in my experience, not only with their conversations with me, but also with the way they talk about actual women that they know, that are in their lives, that they might talk to, um, they don't really feel very strongly about any of this misogynistic stuff. It becomes, you know, I think a lot of it, they think it's funny. It becomes, you know, um, one of their, their memes, their languages, just a way to be sort of absurdist and to complain about things, but they don't really extend those feelings to individuals. And when they meet some girl, which often they do at some point, you know, now that I've been doing this for over three years, I'd say most of them graduate from this. Some of them stay in the incel community, but they actually in real life might have a girlfriend, might even be living with one. Don't harbor misogynistic feelings at all, but it's become a shtick at this point. So, you know, there are definitely some of them, especially the younger ones where I feel like the way that they talk um, and those memes that they share affect them, uh, especially ones on the spectrum. Sometimes, you know, they can get into kind of a rabbit hole where they take it very seriously and they hyper focus, they fixate all of their energy on this feeling that society is unfair and that women will never like me and that it's so unfair, it's so much easier to be a woman, but it doesn't really translate so much into real life for most of them. So is it more like a, a complaining community, a venting community? Uh, the majority do not act out on violence. It's more of just uh, maybe feeling unfair with life, maybe has handed yeah. them kind of a, a yes. place to go because they can't say it in their real world environment, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that is that is what it is. It's venting, it's complaining, it's killing time. You know, it's um, getting a little bit of uh, LARPing, they have this term LARPing, live action role-playing as maybe someone edgy and externalizing some of their feelings onto, you know, political ideas, but they don't really take it seriously. As far as violence goes, I mean, I participated in a, in a study recently that just showed, this was something I, I kind of felt intuitively early on that these are not violent people. If you look at the incel community in comparison to just any other group really, community of, of shared interests, I would think that the, the base rate of people that act out on anything is lower because they're so shy and so inhibited and have such limited life experiences that, you know, they really don't act out much. And, you know, there were some questions taken about, you know, comparing their, their speech, kind of the, some of the more violent rhetoric to actual um, behaviors or any kind of criminality or violence and it's not correlated at all. Um, and then the attackers too, it's another issue, but if you really break down a lot of those cases, the incel community or the ideology has very little to do with, you know, 
the crimes, the attacks uh, that were committed. Very, very small percentage actually are these mass shooters and so forth that we read about and hear about. Yes, I mean, 99.99999% are not. Yeah. Um, and I would even add that the shooters that are called incel attackers, when you begin to unpack those stories, for instance, uh, Alec Manessian, really notorious one that had a, you know, his trial just ended, he was sentenced last April, March in Canada. Um, this is the Toronto. Oh, like the, he was like a sixth grader or something, that one? No, he no. was, oh. um, uh, he was in his mid twenties. Um, he was in Toronto. He rented a van and just drove down. Oh, yeah. yes, yes, I remember that. Yeah, that was uh, one of the biggest cases. Um, but, you know, when the, his interrogation uh, footage was, you know, released, un unsealed, um, and I looked at it, I saw that his story about being an incel and his plan making couldn't be true. So, you know, he either lied about that or maybe he really believed himself, but it wasn't true. Then in the trial, it came out that he'd been fixated with mass shooters from a very young age, not incels, just, you know, the Columbine shooters and, and others. Um, so the whole incel thing kind of seemed like a very last minute, you know, mm -hmm. it, he was adding that on to, to kind of glom onto something to maybe give it more meaning. And then the mm -hmm. judge in that case, um, when she gave her ruling, she said that, you know, I'm not even going to consider this whole incel thing because I think that this young man just wants to be more notorious. And so I'm not even going to, you know, so mm -hmm. there, you know, Jake Davis recently in Plymouth uh, shooting in the United Kingdom. Um, everyone was calling him an incel killer. And, you know, I looked at his case quite a bit. He mm -hmm. didn't actually call himself an incel. He was familiar with their content, but he was also involved with anti-incel sites. Uh, mm -hmm. The case was a domestic incident. You know, the, the police ended up ruling it that way and said that, mm -hmm. you know, that um, incel thing had nothing to do, was not mm -hmm. a motivating factor. So most of them kind of end mm -hmm. up like that. So these forums, are they kind of cult-like? Like they try to get you addicted to coming and staying? It's not like that. So why do you have these anti-incel? Is that to get them away from those forums? Well, I think that the anti-incel sites, I mean, I think that there are a few of them that, um, that have good intentions and that really just kind of want to help people. Um, there, there are a few of those, but uh, the main sort of anti-incel subreddit is just very antagonistic and, and cruel, really. You know, they'll just take screenshots of their postings and make fun of it. And, you know, they just have the really the wrong idea about what this community is. But um, a lot of people do because it's covered that way. Mm -hmm. So um, what would be some common myths around incels that people might be misunderstanding about them? Um, I would say, you know, the, the violence is the biggest one. Um, the profile is often, you know, young disaffected white guy living in his mother's basement. That's not true. Most of them are in school, some combination of school or work. If they're not, you know, it's often because they have disabilities or, you know, things like everyone else might. Um, people think that they're aggressive and that they go out of their way to sort of antagonize women. And I don't see that at all. 
you know, their forum has content that I would say is, you know, extremely unpleasant, sometimes reprehensible, but it stays within the forum and it's not really intended for other people to read. Um, I don't see them going out of their way to, you know, get into conflicts with, with women or with people online. You know, sometimes there will be little Twitter spats and things, you know, instigated by who knows, but it's not really something that they go out of their way to do. Um, I think that there's also sometimes a conflation between incels and other groups in the manosphere, which is what we call now this sort of ecosystem of misogynistic male supremacist type of groups. Um, there's one called MGTOW, that's men going their own way. Mm -hmm. These are usually older men. Many of them are divorced, have had you know custody issues and things. Um, they are misogynistic in a way that I find less defensible given that they have been married, have children, you know, have had relationships with, with women. Um, mm -hmm. And so the things that they say, it's, it's a bit of a different language than, you know, what incels do. Um, there's pickup artists, PUAs, that give kind of misogynistic negging dating advice. Um, you know, and they also pry on the incels, right? You know, try to get money from them. Let me teach you how to talk to girls. And, you know, they really are predatory when it yeah. comes to the incels. Yeah, I mean, they really exploit them. And, you know, their industry, actually incels, one of the first incel websites, the one that the Santa Barbara attacker was on, this was before incels was really called incels, um, was called PUA hate. So it was actually kind of a, reaction to the whole pickup artist guru thing that incels were unhappy with it you know the chads yes right and just people that were just exploiting them um yes. giving them this advice that didn't end up working uh, yes and for the audience that don't know that this is part of their language they call uh, like really good looking men i guess that are in like a nine or ten and yes. you know <laughs> They're yeah. called the Chads, and then the Stacys are the really good-looking women that they can never possibly date. And so, yes, um, there's also kind of a misconception that you know they call some women Stacys and some Beckys. Um, Beckys What's a Becky? Are, so some people think that a, a Becky is like an insult. It's actually not. Um, mm -hmm. Beckys are also attractive, and they're just kind of a different uh, different type. They're more, you know, they they say that like the Beckys are more intellectual or maybe more like al alternative or something, you know, in their presentation. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they would covet either a Stacy or a Becky. Yes, yes. So you mentioned earlier that, you know, many will graduate out of these forums, hopefully with maturity, age, wisdom, yeah. and so forth. Um, how many are still like, you think, staying in it into their 30s and upwards um a much it's a small percentage of the group a very small percentage of the group but you know there are quite a few I, i've had a lot of them on my show um i actually like to talk to them because they are just they become more moderate when they get older and there's less sort of piss and vinegar immature kind of just you know static energy and they don't try to black pill as much. A lot of them do develop some perspective um, mm -hmm. on life and 
yeah, those are the, those are interesting cases because they're usually not, they don't fit any kind of profile at all. Is there any one interview that you've done that really stands out or a story or an example that you can share with us? Oh, there are so many. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if it's like a recommendation of what to to listen to, I could give some, but um, just stories, I guess the, the stories that are sort of the easiest to tell might be about the ones that have ascended, which is their term for getting out of inseldom. And there was one young man that had been on the show like three times, uh, maybe even four times altogether, and was really uh, extremely suicidal on one of the more recent episodes. And he was in his very early 20s. And he always, his episodes always got a lot of comments and a lot of times from women that like thought they could connect to him, you know, that wanted to talk to him, that wanted to reach out to him because there was something very compelling about him. He was very frustrated. He was beginning to get worse, you know, the more that I talked to him and kind of like deeper into some of the black pill beliefs about the inequalities Mm -hmm. in society and how he was convinced that things were never going to change. And after his most recent episode, he started talking to a listener, um, young woman that was kind of interested in psychology and certain topics. And um, through talking with her and they began to become interested in each other and also just conversations with me and with other people, he kind of realized that um, a lot of his issues came from his, his issues with his father and the way that he saw his his parents you know he sided very much with his father they'd gone through um a a very bitter divorce when he was like 10 years old and his father kind of gave him some i I don't know maybe his perspective was a bit off i would say um and so he was kind of drinking that kool-aid a bit i mean Mm -hmm. and over the course of maybe six months or something, he just came to the realization that, you know, his dad had always been uh, very selfish and neglectful and misogynistic really. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's- Well, wow, he had a real awakening, a real yeah. honest look at his past. Cause a lot of times people don't want to like blame the parents or whatever. Yes. And sometimes it is the parents that are projecting yes. their traumas onto their children. Often. Almost always, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So let's talk about some possible solutions for the incel community. Um, Cause we don't want people, cause you know, there's suicide here at play. There's a, there's a whole community that feels ostracized, forgotten, um, you know, that are maybe socially awkward and so forth. So what could be some possible solutions to help the incel community? I think a lot of people are trying to figure that out and it is a, a big question. Um, I think specifically to the incel community, I think a start would be being a bit more honest about, you know, uh, human nature in some ways. Um, The fact that incels talk a lot about lookism and that people judge based on appearance. Yes. And I was going to ask you about that because lookism is another form of discrimination based on looks is what Mm. they're talking about. But women have lookism as well. So it's not just specific to an incel. No, not at all. But I think that they forget that. <laughs> yeah, well, some sometimes they do. I think one of the problems is that 
I think women have had lookism more so. If we look at throughout history, women were always judged on their appearance a lot more. You know, people always talk about what a woman looks like. There's always been tremendous pressure for women to look a certain way and it can be devastating. Um, but I think we've gotten some awareness of that over the last, I don't know, 30 years, something like that. I'm, I'm completely just a guess, maybe 40 years, um, that there's been talk about body positivity and um, not having to meet ridiculously high standards. There's been a bit of an awakening and a movement with that for women where there's at least some sensitivity to the fact that women are going through this, that many women are going through this and that many young women are very deeply affected by it. Um, and I think there isn't really much of that for men, for young men. I don't think people mm. are aware of lookism for men as much. Um, That's interesting because they haven't been as judged by their looks as much. Yes, um, and I, I do legitimately, a lot of incels would disagree with this, but I think that men are absolutely more visually uh, oriented than women yeah. are when it comes to partner selection. Mm -hmm. You know, I do think that that's just the way most men are compared to women, but that doesn't mean that women aren't at all. And then again, now with social media and with dating apps where, you know, the only thing you have to go on is the little mm -hmm. photograph. Yeah, here's my height, here's my, you know, what I look yeah. like. You get, are they thinking they're, you know, 80% of them are getting swiped on no. <laughs> yes, right. And it's, you know, a millisecond swipe and a lot of people have this illusion of, especially women, because, you know, men are less picky, I guess, uh, yeah. this illusion of infinite swipes. So how do I even begin to narrow this down? Well, the guy who's under six feet or whatever, I'm just not going to pick, you know, there's a lot of talk about that, but that mm -hmm. is real and it doesn't happen on dating apps. Um, so I think being honest about that and being a little sensitive about that for young men and not just dismissing it, because mm -hmm. it's a real thing, um, it, just being, if somebody is an inseller or thinks a certain way listening to them is very important, even if you disagree with what they're saying, you know, um, just listening patiently and trying not to jump on it and, and judge. Um, and then I think just things that would probably benefit most people would benefit in cells too. Um, awareness of certain mental health conditions, more patience or sensitivity to people who maybe don't fit in as much. Uh, there's a lot of conformity. I think getting away from so much of, of the screens and the social media and you know having in-person interactions and engagements with people is really important. We do mm -hmm. less of it now. And I think it's just so unhealthy for everyone. It's, it's distorting people's realities. I yeah. mean, if you are looking at altered photos of women on Instagram yes. that have been plastic surgery, Photoshopped up, you yeah. don't know what a real woman looks like anymore. Right. And right. so I think uh, the more you can maybe get away from those addictive screens and mm -hmm. being a screen junkie, even with video games, it's going to help you a lot. Yes. Yes. So that would certainly help. Um, and then with media, uh, more responsible journalism media coverage mm -hmm. of this topic. Yeah. Yeah. They always sensationalize it. And I don't know. And they how... box them in. They put them all in the same category. Right. And they're not all the same. No. And they're just completely stigmatizing them. And then you know, most of the attackers, whether they're incels or not, are copycats of something, of someone. 
And that's because of how sensationalized the coverage of those attacks is. I mean, with the Plymouth shooting, there was just headline after headline after headline saying this, you know, this guy was motivated by incel ideology, the evil incel cult and all this stuff. And I wrote one piece in response to it um, for Unheard that just looked at his actual Reddit history and his YouTubes and said, this doesn't really look like that's the case. You know, a month later, the um, director of counterterrorism policing there released a statement that said this was absolutely not motivated by that. This was a domestic incident that got barely any coverage. And so there wasn't really a correction of that, you know, mm. that attitude and that's how it is. That's and a shame. That, yeah, it really is. And it also, you know, for people that do whatever is going on with them that they are, you know, character logically inclined to maybe at some point do something like this, those really sensational headlines, mm -hmm. those are, you know. Yeah, we have a lot of irresponsible journalism in this country, yes. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so what about the men's rights movement? Do they play a role in um, helping these men? And, you know, is there any connection there that could be made? There, there should be, <laughs> there should be more of one. Um, I mean, the men's rights movement, I'm not as familiar with where that's been going. Um, you know, I, I did talk to them and went on some of their shows and, you know, they have some, some points that I think are fair. Um, for some reason, I feel like there's a bit of a, they want to distance themselves from incels a bit. Um, because they believe the sensationalized grouping of them all and they, yeah, don't, and they want don't want to be associated, associated. with terrorists. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So what about a possible solution of, now this has to be interventions in high school, in junior high, like yeah. before they're even mature and dating and thinking about the other gender, I would think um, those relationships and interactions should happen at a younger age. So they're not socially awkward when they're yeah. 20 years old. Right, exactly, yeah. You know, it could be a missing component in the, in the educational curriculum. Yes, it is. And I, I don't know um, what exactly explains that, why it's become such an issue. We supposedly have a heightened awareness and sensitivity to all kinds of things. Um, and, you know, neurodiversity, neurodivergent uh, people. Um, but kids are kids. And I think, you know, kids are often cruel to kids that are a bit different. It's, it's kind of hard to completely stop that. I think a lot of this too comes from just maybe unhealthy sort of family systems and, and modeling, you know, there's a lot of that. Uh, oh, and yeah. There's generational trauma. This yes. has been going on for decades, passed down yes. with, you know, multiple broken homes, mm -hmm. multiple wives, multiple baby mamas, multiple, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a mess. We yeah. have a mess going on. Yes, we do. And just sort of, even if it's not something you can point to like that, there's this dysfunction that, you know, I can just kind of feel when I talk to these people that there's like codependency things and, you know, narcissism things and neglect and all these things going on that I don't know how. <laughs> one could even begin to approach that, but it, it needs to be. So one of the things that I noticed with these people going to these forums is they, they get that friendship and they get that pseudo therapy in those forums. Yeah. 
So why aren't they, so are they just kind of anti-therapy and not wanting to go maybe the professional route? Um, more of them have tried than I would have thought. It's more than 50%, not much more. Did they but just I have think, bad therapists, a bad experience? Yeah, they didn't, uh, most of them, overwhelming majority of them said it wasn't helpful. I'm guessing that um, a lot of them maybe just had gone to psychiatrists, didn't really have the therapy, more just got put on the meds and maybe had pills, a session here yeah. or there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a more of a holistic approach anyway. I mean, yeah. if it's, it could be even at like the spiritual domain, maybe they need to work mm -hmm. on that area to yes. kind of get in touch with maybe they're disconnected or detached from their, who they are. And so yes, they are um, yeah. very much. Um, what other thing would deplatforming these Reddit um, threads and so forth, would that be helpful? No, no, we don't no. want to censor. What, what, what's wrong with like trying to deplatform and censor these communities? You can't make an idea go away by deplatforming it. Um, every time they do that and they do it, they, you know, keep mm -hmm. doing it. It's kind of a cosmetic fix for the, the platform itself. You know, they don't have to deal with this. With Reddit, it's gotten really bad mm -hmm. and they end up migrating somewhere. And they just, they go underground or they go somewhere else. Yes. Maybe so, they lower the like overall total number of people that, that see it, but those are not the people that are going to be committed to it. Mm -hmm. Those people are going to find it and mm -hmm. the space that they enter will be less monitored. If people are actually worried about crime, be harder to monitor. It will harder be to research. Harder I to mean, research. Yep. Um, it will be inaccessible. It will be more extreme and it will be more of an echo chamber, you know, where there's no uh, diversity of thought. So mm -hmm. everyone there is going to think the same way. I don't see that being healthy or helpful. Would it be helpful to have like people coming into these forums and providing education to the insults, so. talking to them and maybe like planting seeds where they need to? And I think know. so. Yeah, I think so. I think it just needs to be done in a really smart way because, you know, they're skeptical of things like that rightly a lot of times some of the efforts to do that have been pretty clunky even yeah. embarrassing you know, you've, been, you've been accused as an fbi informant which you're not yeah right they're suspicious I mean, of you <laughs> oh yeah they're suspicious of, of everyone um and i have been uh, accused of, of that and being a glowy i mean What's i a glowy a glowy is a you know their term for like an informant or or a oh. fed and undercover um mm -hmm. You know, I openly speak to law enforcement on my show, so I don't hide that. Um, and nobody that I've talked to has been arrested so far or, or anything like that. And I also openly um, defend them whenever I speak publicly about it, which is often. And sometimes I speak at trainings for security or, you know, practitioners of some kind organizations that want to help and stuff. And um, I always tell them, I, I underscore how not violent they are, how this is, you know, an issue of threat to self-harm, maybe, if anything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, anything else as far as like, well, we touched on technology and regulation, and that's a, that's a fine line to skirt there with that being a solution. Um, any other solutions you can think of that could help the incel community? 
Mm, I think, I think as a culture, we, we have a lot of problems. Um, you know, we, we've talked about a few of them and I think that incels are a manifestation of, you know, broader, larger problems that, you know, aren't necessarily going to go away. I mean, the incels aren't necessarily going to go away just because of one size fits all sort of intervention. Um, yeah. So, you know. Yeah, that's true. Cause even if you offer uh, mental health services, for example, and make them affordable, make them accessible, it still doesn't change. These so women may right. not want to date you, you know, right. that's the underlying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and I do think that with most of them and with more of them than realize it, that something like mental health treatment would be helpful because there are these hangups and things, but, um, but not with all of them. And, you know, that, that circumstance, that situation, that life situation, as they call it, is going to be there for some people. And, you know, they're not necessarily going to be feeling fulfilled or happy with that. And I don't know that there's always something that can be done about that. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's someone's individual circumstances, but I think that, um, that just in general, less pressure on people to be this, this sort of very sexualized culture too. Um, I think that's, that's a big part of why so many people, cause it's really not that abnormal to be a late bloomer. That's what we used to call some of these things. Right. Or nerd or. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that part of the reason this has become a thing is because now people feel that it is, and they're always comparing themselves. All right. We're comparing ourselves to billions of people online, which is not normal or natural, mm -hmm. but here we are, it's 2022. Yeah. Um, so where do you see the future of the incel community? Do you think, um, so you, you mentioned that it's probably not going to go away, but do you think it will get better or do you think it'll get worse? Um, I think it will probably get maybe a little bit worse before it gets better. I don't think it will get worse in the sense that they will become violent or anything like that. I think that we might have attackers in the future that call themselves incels or attackers that don't, but journalists and researchers that call them incels. <laughs> um, there's obviously, we live in a pretty violent time. I mean, not more so than in the past, but in different kind of strange ways. But for the, the incels themselves, not talking about the violence or anything, um, I think it will eventually be something that is um, more or less accepted as, you know, there are people that fit this description mm -hmm. and they're not terrorists and, you know, it won't be such a pejorative. Mm -hmm. And I think um, if you can get off of these forums, that is the main goal is to get away from that as a crutch and to, you know, force yourself to get out and socially interact, mm -hmm. force yourself to make friends. You don't even have to start with females. It sounds mm -hmm. like some of them struggle to make male friends in, yes. in the real world. Yes. And so, you know, you have to like have some goals like that, I think mm -hmm. also as part of the solution. And it's growing pains for some of them because yeah. they didn't get that socialization in junior high or high yes. school. And it's coming back in adulthood and showing mm -hmm. up. Right. Yeah, exactly. And for some of them, they have very legitimate, you know, conditions like being on the spectrum or something that make it harder to be social, but it's still something that most people need 
Um, I also think that little other kinds of life hacks, as we would call them, hobbies, passions, uh, self-improvement, unrelated to the, the goal of Video getting a games. woman. Yeah, yeah right, <laughs> exactly. Um, would be helpful and just kind of finding some meaning because that's the main thing I think about these people is they're looking for meaning and purpose in their most lives. Most definitely, most definitely. Well, we're getting to the end here. Um, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with the audience with regards to incels? Um, I don't know if people are, are interested in them or interested in helping. I guess I would say that um, it's surprising how many of them are amenable to it or do want to talk uh, to people, to outsiders, to women, whatever. People want to talk and tell their story and, um, and they're very different one-on-one -on -one than they are in a, as a group, you know, completely different. So, um, you know, the way that they act on the forums and stuff is usually not the way that they act if they were to engage in some one-on-one -on -one conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nama. I really appreciate you coming on my channel and enlightening us with all of your investigative research that you've done with incels. I think uh, you're doing a great job and I uh, appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Lisa. It's been great. Yes. And if you guys like this video, please give it a thumbs up and don't forget to share and subscribe and hit the bell to be alerted to when the next video drops. Thanks for watching.